Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. Governor Gavin Newsom is in New York City to help kick off Climate Week NYC. The issues that define our time are being played out in extraordinary ways in the Western United States, but notably in the state of California. So the question is, what the hell do we do about it? At the event's opening ceremony on Sunday, Newsom announced his intention to sign a first-in-the-nation climate bill awaiting his approval back in California. CalMatters environment reporter Alejandro Lasso explains what the legislation would do. This measure would force U.S. corporations doing business in California that make more than $1 billion a year to publicly disclose their annual greenhouse gas emissions. And not just emissions from their own operations, but also those from less direct sources including things like a company's supply chain and business travel. Business groups opposed to the bill argue that accounting for all of these extra emissions is unworkable and would likely lead to inaccurate reports. Supporters say that all of this output needs to be accounted for to get a full picture of corporate emissions. Backers hope increased transparency and publicity around which companies are the biggest emitters will motivate companies to take more action to reduce their carbon footprint. That was CalMatters' Alejandro Lasso. Over the weekend, the governor's office also announced California is suing major oil companies to hold them accountable for their role in climate change and its devastating impact on California. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. 
This week marks six months since powerful storms flooded the small farming community of Pajaro in Santa Cruz County after its aging levee system failed. Reporters at KAZU have been following the disaster since March. In the first story of this two-part series, Jeremiah Edding reports on the challenges of recovery and the difficult road still ahead. Tomas Garcia walks me through his flood-damaged home. He and his family are staying with relatives outside of town while they work on repairs. Wow, so your house is empty. I mean, was this all just water damage? Uh, the foundation. They recently replaced their floors. Most of their furniture is gone. The walls are bare. We wish that we could have finished this uh, since two, three months ago, but we still need to do a lot of things. On a hot, dry summer day, Pajaro's main street is bustling with traffic. Businesses are open. The flood feels like a distant memory. But just like for the Garcias, much of the community is still struggling to return to normal. The Pajaro Middle School remains closed. So is the public library. Here and there, cars covered in grime sit on the roadside. Residents say the vehicles were abandoned after the flood. Six months later, they're lingering reminders of the lives that were upended. For Michelle Keith, the disaster that started the night of March 10th has felt relentless. My mom and dad lost everything on the lower half of the house. They were there 25 years. Keith lived with her parents until the flood forced them to evacuate. She still doesn't have a permanent place to live. I mean, how am I supposed to work and be stressed out about a place to stay? I've never, you know, like, I'm not gonna, I don't know, it's just been so upsetting. She stayed at the Roadway Inn in Watsonville for months, alongside dozens of other displaced Pajaro residents. It was temporary housing paid for by Monterey County, a program the county says helped more than 200 people. It ended last month, though. More than 60 people were still living at the hotel, including Keith. The county offered to put them up at a hotel in Marina more than 20 minutes away, but the distance from Pajaro meant many couldn't make the move, even as housing challenges continue. I mean, the cost of living is so high. Monica Chavez-Gonzalez is a case manager at Community Bridges, a local nonprofit that's working to rehouse residents. She says returning home or finding another rental is too expensive for a lot of people. People want double the rent that a security deposit takes about $10,000 just to get into a place. And she says on top of that, many people lost their jobs because of the flooding. Pajaro is a farming community. The fields that surround it were damaged by the floods and out of commission for months. Strawberries, a major Pajaro Valley crop, were hit the hardest. For now, federal and state support is bolstering recovery. In June, Governor Newsom carved out $20 million of the state's budget specifically to support Pajaro. But how exactly will that money be spent? Literally the million dollar question, right? Vicente Lara works for Monterey County. He's part of a task force that's developing a long-term recovery plan for Pajaro. He says they're working with community members to figure out how to spend the money. Recognizing that, you know, we're not all at the same place and we really have to support, especially those residents who are still struggling in any way we can. Lada says the task force expects to have recommendations for the county supervisors within 6 to 12 months. Meanwhile, residents like Tomas Garcia are racing to finish repairs before winter. That's why we want to try to finish this to make the house a little bit more secure. This isn't the first time the Garcia's home is flooded. The levee breached in 1995. Back then, Garcia's father repaired the house himself. Today, he sits in a chair in their empty living room. A tank of oxygen helps him breathe. He's dealt with serious health problems lately, and Garcia believes the disaster has made his condition worse. The situation, the stress, and the pressure, a lot of things combined, you know, puts pressure to his heart, and now, yeah, 
uh, now, but he's trying to to survive and move forward and try to be with us a little bit more time. Garcia says his family discussed moving away from Pajaro, finding a fresh start somewhere else. But this is their home. His father wants to spend his time here. So Garcia says they'll keep rebuilding, just as they did before. And, like the rest of Pajaro, hope the levee holds this winter. For the California Report, I'm Jeremiah Edding in Pajaro. Another community still trying to pick up the pieces from this past winter's storms is Capitola in Santa Cruz County. The city's iconic wharf was literally torn apart by the rain and pounding waves. But now, according to Capitola's public works director, Jessica Kahn, repair work is about to begin next week. While we're doing the repairs, we're also making it wider and putting more piles um, underneath supporting the structure in hopes of this kind of damage not happening in the future. The project will cost more than $7 million and includes both federal and state funding. And that's the California Report for Monday, September 18th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and see you tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hint, fruit-infused water with no sugar or diet sweeteners with more than 25 flavors including watermelon and pineapple. In stores or delivered from hintwater.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery on the web at schmidtocean.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.